Well, thanks for joining us today for our next episode of Mixed Messages with Jeff Bogue. My name is Joe Caruso, and I'll be your host as we dig into today's topic. Well, from news sources to comedians, from friends to advertisements, it seems everyone has an idea of how we should think, live, and make decisions. And when even the experts sound convincing, but they disagree, how can we cut through the noise? How do we sift through all the information overload and choose what to govern our lives? Well, our leadership here at Grace has been processing these things and praying for all of us, so we want to offer a resource to navigate some of the day's most pressing topics and questions. Jeff, I love that you have a little bit of um, a routine while I go through that intro each and every week. Yeah. Uh, one of them is you take a look at your phone and you check things because you're not on camera yet, Yeah. and uh, you sneak that out, and then about half the time, I can tell out of the corner of my eye, you're giving me some kind of goofy look. Yeah. And it's, I always want, I'm like, oh, are you going to tell? Tell us how to navigate all the questions. Like, <laughs> no, that's your job. That's why it's mixed messages with Jeff. Bogue. Oh, I see. I yeah. was curious to the answer myself. No, no, that's why I just do. I the also kind of hope that you'll screw it up. <laughs> yeah, I have. I have done it before. I'm surprised I don't have it memorized. To I be am honest. too, Joe. I'm actually deeply disappointed yeah. in you as a person. Matter of fact, I've had people walk up to me and they basically have it memorized. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's a little. Disturbing. That, yeah, that's that's just that actually is not healthy. Yeah, they at have all. they have a tattoo of me with a microphone on their arm. It's yeah, weird. That's bad. That's yeah. bad. So, well, Jeff, um, today um, this is actually someone walked up to me in the lobby of our church and just kind of gave me a verbal passing question. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't have, normally I have like a text because they go to that form that we talk about, which is bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages, and they they fill it out and they help us understand what they're thinking, what they're asking. This person says, hey, seriously, can you help me figure out how to navigate aging parents? It seems like there are a lot of options out there. There's a lot of course, you know, directions you could go down. Uh, there's a lot of mentalities you could have. Um, and it's complicated, not, yep. o- not only situationally, but like relationally. For sure. So, um, Jeff, two reasons we want to ask you this. One, we trust your heart. We trust how God continues to help you give us some clarity and direction as our pastor. But also, you've, you've walked through this personally. Yep. And so um, help us a little bit. How do we navigate um, as our parents begin to age? Yeah, it, it is a tricky question, um, and it is a it is a difficult thing. It is a wonderful thing. Um, it is uh, it can be painful at times, and it is rewarding to the max. And so, it's just one of those things, you know. That's kind of like whatever adjective you threw at it. I'd be like, "Yep, that one too." You know, you need to need to go through. So, Heidi and I did navigate this. Um, uh, specifically with my mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my mom and dad, my mom and dad actually did not live long lives. Uh, my mom was 69 when she uh, died in her sleep, and my dad was 74 uh, when he passed away. But uh, mom and dad um, lived uh, 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 a very generous life. Uh, they were quick to give, quick to help, quick to bless someone else, um, and they were very hardworking and very responsible people. And uh, when my dad was 49 years old, uh, 48 or 49, uh, he had a his first massive heart attack, and then a few months after that, he had a massive stroke, mm. and uh, that completely changed him. So my dad, my dad was uh, um, he was one of these guys that was brilliant. Uh, but not 
well-educated. So my dad could do complex math problems in his head, but he was a little bit dyslexic. So like listening to him read was painful. Hmm. And my dad was probably uh, old enough. He, my dad would be well into his 80s if he was still living. That all the helps we have in school and things like that, he didn't have. Sure. So, um, but he was just a brilliant guy. He was a, a version of a machinist called a pattern maker. And so this is back before computers. My dad would uh, make a cast pattern, think of like a foundry. He would make that pattern, proof that pattern, get it dialed in to the, you know, the, the millimeter kind of a thing. And, um, and then they would, they would cast steel off of it. So he made truck wheels. So they might, they might run 100,000 wheels off of the pattern he created, hmm. right? So you would do that stuff on a computer now, but back in the day, that was slide rule and stuff like that. But I have his tools, um, and I don't know how to use them <laughs> at all. So, uh, but I keep a lot of them because I, I have a bunch, and my brother-in-law has a bunch, and, um, and we love it. So that was my dad. He's a really, really smart guy if he could think it in his head he could build it with his hands and when he had his stroke those abilities were taken from hmm. from him right so at that point uh my mom who was a homemaker they got married uh when she graduated from high school she was 17 10 months later my oldest brother was born so that's what she did we're talking the early 50s it's kind of the way that it worked and uh so she never worked outside the home all those years dad was the sole provider he got sick, couldn't provide. Mom had a me at home, so I'm the youngest of five, and um, had to put food on my table, basically. And so she went and got a minimum wage job and uh, worked her way up, went to school, retired as a – she got a minimum wage job cooking in a nursing home and retired as the vice president. Wow. So just incredible lady, you know, kind of a thing. So they, they uh, as they got older – Dad had a lot of health problems. Mom had a lot of health problems, congestive heart failure, stuff like that. And then they didn't have a, a stable financial foundation, right? Sure. So the answer to all of that for Heidi and I was, what if you guys sell your house, which they had lived in long enough that they owned outright, and what if we combined our money and build a house and you guys could live with us and we could help you and watch over you and you'd have the security of that and um, be around your grandkids uh, and so that's what we did and so uh, their last uh, five six years of their lives uh, they lived with us we absolutely loved it uh, would do it again in a heartbeat we miss them uh, my my mom was Heidi would say my mom was her best friend mm. And, uh, and I adored my father and completely enjoyed my mother. We had a great, great time. Um, when they got here, though, um, kind of the reality of aging parents set in. So suddenly, I have a lot of doctor's appointments to go to. Um, mom's heart, you know, and trying to get her into different uh, tests and trials and things like that. Now, my siblings really showed up, and so it wasn't just Heidi and I. It was really the kids worked hard, uh, but, like, lots and lots of cardiology appointments. Dad had to change doctors, and he had a lot of complexities. And so, so like, all that sets in, you know, and, and you're like, um, 
I guess this is what I'm doing now. I'm, I have toddlers at home and I have parents at home and I don't feel like I can, uh, uh, not watch over either one of them, (laughs) either one of those groups. Yeah. So you felt responsible all the time, um, for, for both sets of them and then balancing that they're adults, uh, their minds uh, worked, you know, so we, we did not deal with Alzheimer's and things like that. It was other health issues. Um, so you're like, I'm trying to let you be independent, but this is my house. And so, like, I remember having a conversation with my dad about driving, and uh, dad had started to have some blackout episodes. And so I talked to him, like, Dad, I don't think you should drive. Um, and not only do I not think you should drive, but like, I don't want to tell you, you can't, but kinda, because like all of our finances are in intertwined. And if there's an accident and you, not only would you feel horrible. So it's all those conversations and you're having them constantly. And then you're going home and having them with Heidi, the two of you, like, what do we do with mom and dad? And then you're trying uh, to get your siblings involved, like this is what's going on with mom and dad, or they're telling you, did you mm-hmm. know? And and it becomes a major piece of your life. Sure. It's like, uh, it's something <clears throat> most of us are going to have to look for. As we, Like some of us that are listening, this is exactly where we're at. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is hit me right between the eyes. And then some of us might be listening. We're like, this seems a long way off. But you kind of have to have this in the back of your head as you kind of get older. It's not something you can generally escape, at least not without some kind of tragedy. Yeah. Um, And so uh, we kind of all have to have this in mind. One of the things you said, Jeff, really caught me. You mentioned you kind of have this dual seat where you were kind of caring for your parents and caring for your young children. Mm -hmm. It's almost like the seats shift. That's right. You know, and so kind of walk us through a little bit of like, what's that like? And maybe how can we navigate it best? So if you're if you have children, um, it's a lot like being a parent, hmm. and so you're you're saying uh, you're evaluating what's best for them, what's safe for them, uh, what their health needs are, what their financial needs are, uh, what their insurance and your Medicaid and Medicare and and, and all those kind of things, and uh, when the car breaks, they're going to call you, just like when my uh, my teenage son had a flat tire last night. He's like, "Hey, Dad." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, that's what we're gonna go work on that." You know, and so you're just picking up all of that, like you, like you would a child. What's tricky is that they are not children, <laughs> <laughs> so you ideally want to do that in a way that they are involved, that they have they have a voice. Um, et cetera. So I, I would say this, if I was given like some principles, sure. um, I would say this, um, number one with aging parents, I would say, give them as much independence as long as, as long as possible. Uh, I'll have people at church every once in a while and they'll say, my mom still lives in her house and she's 91 and I worry about her. I'm like, let her stay there. If you're not worried about her falling or, or, uh, she's not struggling with Alzheimer's or something like that, let her do her thing. Because the thing that she's doing is the thing that's keeping her alive. Sure. Um, my dad and I, because we built this house, so we kind of finished parts of it. 
And one of the things I did was I put in this really big, uh, beautiful, actually, um, paver stone patio, but I did it myself. And my dad helped me. And so um, you're, we're wet sawing bricks and, you know, things like that. And it was hot out there. And, and by the way, this was, I was in my early 30s, so I was a different level of a workhorse back then, <laughs> you know. And my dad was in his 70s, and I remember coming in, and I said to mom, I said, I keep encouraging dad to come in and rest, and he won't do it. I'm worried about him. And my mom, it sounded so callous, but it's, our family's kind of like this. She goes, <laughs> oh, let him die out there. I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, honey, he is so happy, mm. and he is so happy creating, and he's so happy being with you. Let him do his thing. And I was like, you know what, mom, good advice. You yeah. know, he can do it. He wants to do it. Nobody's in danger. Like the car's a different conversation. This is me and dad sure. in yep. the backyard. I'm loving it because I'm just hanging out doing stuff with my dad. And, uh, and, and so he did. And he survived just fine, you know. So independence as long as possible. The, the second thing I would say is involve them in every decision that they can be involved with. So like that conversation with my dad about the car, I never took the car for keys from him, never once. Um, I treated him like an adult. I talked to him as his adult son. And I'm like, Dad, let's think this through. And, and Dad, you know you're blacking out. Um, and you know that if you hurt somebody, Dad, you would be, he'd be horrified if he ever felt responsible yeah. or something like that. So we walked it through, never took the car keys, never took the car. He decided that himself. Mm. The, the third thing I would say then is like, remember if you have two parents and they're married, remember your mom and dad have a marriage. So my mom and dad then made decisions about dad driving. It, it wasn't my place to come in and say, this is my house, you're gonna do what I tell you to, it wasn't that at all. And so it, they would talk. And, and sometimes if we were doing something medical or something like that, um, I would or my brother or my sisters, you know, all of us adult kids would interact with them. And like, well, they're, they're a family. I left them. <laughs> right. So, so mom and dad were a family, and they, they still had the ability to, to think that, that stuff through. The fourth thing I would say is look for every place to give dignity. Um, so my mom and dad paid me rent. Um, I'm air quoting if you're listening to this, paid me rent. Um, I didn't need rent and it, and it wasn't enough to cover hardly anything, but it gave them dignity. Yep. Like my father, especially the idea that he would take from his children was just something he could not bear. In fact, my dad uh, one of his, some of his very last words to me, I wrote them down. He looked at me and he said, are we fair and square? Wow. Right. So it, it meant that to him. Like my dad would give you anything <laughs> and would hesitate to take anything from you. And like him, it, in my mind, I love doing this. In my dad's mind, he's like, I don't want to be a mooch. Yep. Right. So, so we, we involved a little bit of money um, because it honestly it just gave them 
dignity and it made their the way that we built the house if you went that route it made it feel like it was their home that they were renting right um and i think that was another thing maybe a fifth thing like if you got to that trying to have designated spaces uh, like our kids who saw their grandparents every day which was amazing but they weren't allowed just to barge into grammy's and poppy's home like sure. that's their home yep you know, and um, and I didn't either. You know, I I would I would kind of walk in, but I'd knock. Mom, is it is it's me? Is it okay? Yeah, come on. In. But like we were like, no, they they have dignity, they have value, and that stuff is is important to them. So I think those five things are important. Um, I think what happens is if your parents, when your parents get weak. Or, and especially if they get weak mentally, hmm. it becomes more complicated. So when my, my dad died first, and when he got weak physically, um, I still tried to involve him. And I would say, Dad, uh, the way that things went with him is he couldn't, he had to, he couldn't eat. And so I'm like, Dad, do you want a feeding tube? No. Um, well, Dad, they want to put you in a nursing home for rehab. I don't want to go to a nursing home. Please don't do that. And we, I don't want to guilt trip anybody, we had the ability to not do that because of our living arrangements. Um, so we tried to honor those things. Um, my dad uh, became bedridden, and so you're talking now changing, feeding, medicines, and he was a he was a dignified man, and so um, he actually didn't want my mother to do that. Mm. Really, did not want my sisters to do that. Like it would have embarrassed him. Not sure. my sisters are amazing, but it's just the way Dad was. Like that's yeah. So um, I did it mostly. Um, my brother did it. My mom did too. You know, and then at the end, um, we got nurses and stuff in, but. Like, I'd just pick him up and take him in the shower, you know? And so, but I was trying to preserve, because I was so little when Dad got sick, he was used to me helping him, and I was used to that. Yeah. So that wasn't this weird part of our relationship. So you're just looking for things like that to go about it. I would say a big one, guys, is, is don't guilt trip yourself. Mm. You know, sometimes what's best is for your parents to be in a nursing home. Uh, when you start dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's and things like that, and they are, they are not safe, uh, when one parent is caring for the other uh, and, and dad can't lift mom, mom can't stop dad, like don't, don't be ashamed mm -hmm. that you use, in essence, a medical system because you can go there every day and they can go visit. And sometimes, honestly, uh, especially with Alzheimer's and things like that, if the person who's sick is in a facility, it relieves the stress off of the caregiver, especially if they're older, and it actually creates a vibrant relationship again. Mm -hmm. Because this person is, is dying under the weight of caring for the other one. Um, so I just don't think be ashamed of those things. Uh, don't be afraid of hospice. Uh, in-home hospice was one of the biggest blessings we had. And uh, you have to interview hospice and things like that. 
Hospice does not mean you're dying next week. Uh, it means that there is, there is not a path to recovery. Uh, my dad was an in-home hospice for probably four or five weeks, and it really helped because it opened up uh, government and insurance money, hospital beds, oxygen, nurses, and what happened when when that when we got hospice involved, it, it, you get quick responses to medicines and things like that. You're not going to doctor's appointments anymore. Um, the family got to be a family, and the medical providers got to be a medical provider. So stuff like that. Um, I would say in all of it, uh, Heidi was incredible. My my brother and my sisters, Heidi and I were not in this alone. You know, the family rallied and, and we all bore the burden. Um, Heidi and I bore it uniquely because it was our home. But, but my, I thought I was proud of my siblings and, sure. and how we handled it all. So we just kind of tackled it, you know, and, and I would say if you're listening, you know, your story is unique. Your parents are unique. Um, don't make your parents old before they're old. <laughs> uh, uh, if they are vibrant and uh, relatively healthy and can be independent, let them do their thing, baby. I mean, leave them alone. Because it, I, have a f- I have a friend, he's 82. He rides a bike miles and miles and miles. His kids are like, he's going to kill himself on that bike. And I'm like, or keep himself alive. I mean, if he can do it and wants to do it, let him do it, you know? And, and then if he's got to transition down to a three-wheel one or something, like, you know, you can do all kind of stuff. But let them do what they can do while they can do it. Yeah. My, um, <clears throat> this is a grandmother, but my wife's grandmother won a volunteering, statewide volunteering award at 89. Yeah. You know, she was just so active and helping in the community that, you know, it was recognized at that level. So, and she lived till the mid-90s, you know, and it was part of what kept her alive and gave her purpose and helped her out. Now, Jeff, um, what's what's neat about all the things that you said is you see that stuff play out scripturally. Yep. You know, all the way back with God's first written down covenant with the Israelites, you know, honor your father and mother was one of the Ten Commandments. And then all the way through, you know, love and the family and how you treat your parents and um, First Timothy, uh, First Timothy five eight. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially the members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. You know, so uh, there was a while there where Heidi and I were taking care of my mom and dad and her grandma. And you're not serving at the church a lot. <laughs> You know, but it's we looked and said, well, that specifically says that we're supposed to care for our household first. First uh, Timothy five four, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household, and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Uh, and on and on and on. So the the scripture is super clear. We're supposed to take care of our family. Yeah. There is not a prescription or a directive as to exactly what that means. Yeah. So um, that might mean going over and mowing their grass and checking on them because they're independent. That might mean living in a house together because we had the financial ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad own their house outright, you yeah. know. 
that might mean a nursing home. It can mean all kinds of things. So um, <clears throat> the last little um, angle I'd like us to briefly talk through, um, there are lots of resources to help general relationships like the one I'm going to talk about, but I'm wondering if our relationship with our parents is complicated. Yep. Um, if there's a hard past, maybe something was blown up, someone drove a huge wedge in between the family, um, or you even kind of in passing mentioned the idea of like, seems like my parents just want to mooch off me. Yeah. Um, something like that. Is there any um, generic help? Uh, I don't mean generic in a bad way, but just general help that you want to help those families as they navigate these difficult scenarios? Do your best um, <laughs> and seek wise counsel. Um, yeah. So... I think actually what you're talking about is is might be the rule instead of the exception, unfortunately. And dad walked away years ago, and now he's showing up in your life because there's nobody to call. And, and um, I, ironically, maybe, or sadly, uh, I, I watched that because of my mom's uh, brothers. My, both of my mothers, my mother grew up in a horrible home. And her, both of her brothers died of alcoholism, and I watched, like, they called mom. <laughs> there was nobody to call. Yeah. You know, and so I'm like, well, so, so I think you have to navigate, navigate it carefully. I, I think the directive to care for them is still there. I don't think it's a license for them to be abusive. I don't think it's a license for them to use you. Uh, I don't think it's a license for them to cause more harm or destruction in your family. And that's where you need wisdom and counsel. There, there might be an argument uh, for you specifically that says, I just should not be involved. Hmm. Or maybe I'm paying for care so that dad has a place to live, but I'm not the one providing. There's a thousand, you know, there's a million different scenarios. So I think for the Christ follower, the directive is, I need to be involved. The wisdom is, what does that mean? What is the proximity of that, um, et cetera? Yeah. Well, that's really helpful, and I think you're right. I think that, that there's a lot of people that struggle with that but have a, a longing or at least a wish that they could do it the way that you discussed, trying to figure out how to do it. Yep. So, and, guys, I would say this. like, If you have a healthy family, even if you don't, you're going to look yourself in the mirror, yeah. right? And honor your father and mother. There's a real sense that when I look in the mirror, I'm answering that question about myself. Did I show up? Did I engage? Did I, did I do my best? Um, and it's hard because I, uh, uh, 53 weeks to the day after my dad died, my mom died. And she died in her sleep. No, We, we knew she was sick, but no warning, so to say. So I'm cleaning the house out and my siblings and I are doing the legal work and we're figuring out and I'm like, you're gonna every, ideally, parents die before children do. Yeah. And um, you're gonna be there and looking yourself in the mirror and saying, uh, dad was cruel, I wasn't. Mom was neglectful, I wasn't. I honored the Lord. I showed my children something, which is what my parents did. My parents grew up in horrible homes, and they cared for their parents mm. because of Christ. 
And so we had an example, and it came back to bless them. You know, so it's that stuff's hard, but it a lot of things in our faith are. Mm-hmm. I can tell you on the other side, there's a there is a reward, and it may not be a great relationship, but it is a I honored the Lord. I honor my fa- mother and father as unto the Lord, mm-hmm. and I honored the Lord. He used me in this way, and maybe my children saw me do that, and it, and it affected their relationship with yeah. me. That's really helpful. Well, if this is the type of thing that you need help with, um, you can always reach out to us. Or if you have follow-up questions or different questions that you're just wrestling with, seems like there's so many of those mixed messages out there, you can always submit those questions at bath.gracechurches.org slash mixed messages, and we'd love to get that in as soon as we can. If we can help you take any uh, unique next steps, or maybe we can be a part of that council that helps you navigate a complicated relationship, uh, we'd love to do that. Reach out to us, let us know. And if you would like more of what you're hearing on this podcast, make sure you subscribe, follow, and rate and review it. Um, If you need a church home, we'd love if you would join us on the weekend here at Grace, or even if you're out of the Akron area, you can begin exploring things online. Well, thank you very much for jumping in with us today as we continue to seek God's voice through all the mixed messages around us. Catch you next time.